Welcome to Plex Weather. I'm Jason, and I'm by myself. Uh, we've got some things to talk about. We've got a guest, but right now we don't have a guest. It's just me. Um, I should probably explain what's going on with the show. Um, Kim, uh, who was really the spark to get the this show going. Uh, I don't know if I ever. I meant to do this for a long time. I don't know if I ever would have gotten around to it, at least in the time frame that we ended up getting it going uh, without Kim really uh, pushing the issue and really being enthusiastic about it. Uh, but Kim got hired for a job that doesn't allow public comments on women's soccer players. And that includes the Washington spirit at professional women's soccer team. So Kim can't be on the show for the foreseeable future, um, which, you know, on one hand, it's great news uh, to get, to get hired. That's pretty cool. Uh, on the other hand, Kind of, kind of makes it tough to do the show the way that we were doing it. Um, so, going forward, I'm not exactly sure what the show is going to look like. Uh, I know, I I know what I don't want it to look like. I don't want it to be a show where you hear my voice and only my voice for like a full hour. You don't need that. I probably don't need that. No one needs that. Um, so, I'm going to look for guests. Sometimes it's going to be players or coaches from the team. Uh, sometimes I'm going to be reaching out to people that cover, uh, the other teams, uh, in the league. Those should be fun. I've done that before for, uh, with the MLS, uh, podcast that I've been a part of. Um, usually that's pretty fun because you get a lot of perspective that you don't normally get, um, from trying to scout another team or talk about a team that you're playing coming up, uh, from afar. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to trying to figure this out um what this is going to be um but yeah uh that's the state of the show the show's not going away um took like a full month off there because there wasn't a lot to talk about kim and i did try and get a show going right before um what would have been right before uh when she would no longer be able to be on the show the timeline didn't really work out we couldn't quite uh match our times up and then all of a sudden uh it's now but that's what's happening in the coronavirus world is that sometimes you lose track of time and a month goes by. Um, hopefully, we're, we're hearing rumors of our return to play coming very soon. Um, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but hopefully we'll have games to talk about. I keep saying we. Uh, you, you can tell that I'm not, I have not quite adjusted the fact that this is now a one-person show for the time being. Um, it might not stay like that. I might try and find somebody else to join the show. Um, I haven't figured that, uh, like I said, I haven't figured it out. Um, but in any case, uh, we, we're going to have things to talk about soon. I'm still doing we, um, and so with that in mind, uh, let me know, uh, at Plex weather, the Twitter account or at Jason DC soccer. If you want to, uh, contact me on that one instead, let me know what you, what you want out of the show. Um, I might put together a little. Google form to try and get people to fill that out and tell me, tell me what to do, boss me around. Um, it might help me figure out exactly what this is going to be. But in the meantime, I have a guest and now I'm joined. I actually have someone on the show now with me. I'm joined by Washington Spirit Defender Paige Nielsen. Paige, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I've... I was telling a couple people um, that also cover the league elsewhere um, 
uh, that I was going to have you on the show. And I had multiple people ask me uh, to ask you this first question. So I have to ask, um, there was some sort of incident uh, with a trampoline recently. Um, can you explain more about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was visiting my nephew in Georgia and I was trying to get him to come jump on the trampoline with me. He's two and a half, mind you. And I was jumping just lightly and all of a sudden I go right through the trampoline. <laughs> I go through with my feet and then land on my knees. It was a soft landing, but the shot, my, my body must have had a shock reaction because I didn't feel a thing. And my brother comes out and just goes, my brother's like maybe 40 pounds heavier than me. And he goes, I jump on that trampoline all the time. And I've never once fallen through. <laughs> it it was hilarious. So, and my nephew was watching and he was on the ladder about to come on. And he, he was just like, Paigey broke my trampoline. <laughs> um, all I can say is that I'm pretty dense. And the trampoline was at least twenty years old. <laughs> yeah, i i feel like I feel like uh, I feel like I've never. It's never occurred to me that this is a thing that could happen um, until until I I was, saw that on Instagram. And I was like, I guess that is something that could happen. I it just never crossed my mind that that at some point someone could go through a trampoline. Um, how do you get out of there? Uh, how was it easy to get out? Uh, yeah, the hole was so big that I wasn't stuck. I just um, okay. kind of ducked my head and went underneath. <laughs> okay. See, I was thinking it was like a climb out situation, but I guess I'm I'm unfamiliar. Uh, so you, you've got a little more um, escaping a trampoline experience than I do. <laughs> I'll send you pictures later. It's, there we it's go. Quite comical. Um. So overall, how are things going? You know, we've we've had. It feels like because time is so strange this year uh, in every direction, it feels like the challenge cup ended quite a while ago for the spirit, but it, it didn't actually, when you look at the calendar, um, what have you been doing with uh, the downtime? I know you're, you're just getting back into uh, the DMV uh, to start training next week. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us went to visit our families for a little bit. Um, we had been training and doing preseason for about three months, starting in February. And I had a job in New York with Budweiser before that. So I haven't seen my family for like a year. And um, it's been challenging during the COVID times, just being here and not really knowing what to expect for the future. So something about going home and seeing your family kind of gives you a refreshed outlook of mm. um the future and it was definitely much needed so I went to Georgia for a week and stayed with my brother um, this is obviously after we got COVID testing so we all knew that we were COVID free and we, we've mm -hmm. been taking the correct precautions of course um, knowing that we are coming back and gonna have a second season and I also yeah I also went to Nebraska and I hadn't been back to Nebraska in I don't know how many years um, mm -hmm. but that was um, but other than that, yeah, I've just been training. It feels weird not to train, even though we're supposed to take these four weeks kind of off. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like in my blood to always train. So I've been finding fields and stuff to train and yeah. um, been working with a couple people. So, uh, 
did the did the downtime help? I mean, the the tournament was such an intense short run of of games and and being cooped up uh, in Utah like that. Did it help uh, to some extent to just get another thing in your life that wasn't a hotel in Utah and uh, a stadium in Utah and that was it? There's like definitely positives and negatives. I was talking to Kelly O'Hara today and we were talking about how there's so much hype around this Challenge Cup and it kind of came super fast and then it left. And so Mm -hmm. after this cup, after getting knocked out in the first round, which a lot of teams did, it was like, okay, now what? We did all this preparation and um, it was a short tournament and it was just like, okay, now we have four weeks off, which is strange, but I I definitely know that especially the younger girls on my team needed to see family. I mean, there are so many plans for families to come out and watch games and, Mm -hmm. you know, the normal life, but it's been... A challenging year so I think these four weeks to kind of kind of have some sense of normalcy with our families and stuff was very important but for me like playing games in the challenge cup you kind of forget how amazing it is to play soccer <laughs> against teams on live television and and I do miss that we only had five games and I really just I want to keep playing, but I know it's, it's difficult times. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I, I meant to bring this up any, later in the show, but you mentioned um, before the season started um, your experience with Budweiser. Um, what was that? What What did you get out of it? It was incredible. Um, first, I commend Budweiser with all the work that they do with our league, um, but there was five of us from the league that had this fellowship or internship program. And it started in January till March 1st. Mm -hmm. And we got to go to Houston for a massive beer convention with wholesalers. And you kind of just learn all about this company in Houston and all their products, which was awesome. Like we heard A-Rod and J-Lo speak because they just Mm -hmm. invested in Presidente. Um, We got Mm -hmm. to meet some people Oh, Dwayne Wade, we met him. Uh, he just partnered with Budweiser Zero, which is a non-alcoholic beer. Um, mm-hmm. That experience was incredible. We also went to the NHL All-Star Game and kind of saw how kind of beer, um, how beer and sports are connected. And it's just, it's amazing. So it was cool to have our background in sports um, and then seeing this whole marketing side of products and stuff with sports so that was very cool and then we got placed on different desks so I was on Stella Artois and we Mm -hmm. all we all had a project to complete in six weeks and um and then we all we all had a presentation at the end and it was such a cool learning experience I got to come back to DC and visit some beer markets yeah it was incredible however it was hard to train in the morning at like 4 a.m. And then mm-hmm. we would work all day, and then I would take a train right after dinner. I was home for 20 minutes to go train at night. So I didn't sleep much. I know Shay Green, yeah. another player, we both didn't sleep much for those six, seven weeks. That's, that's wild. Um, how did you, how, how did that come, come to pass for you? Was it something that um, you've been interested in or, or was it just something that sort of uh, bubbled up? 
Yeah, uh, we got an email from the league actually in like November, and mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. They pay, they paid very well. We also partnered with Columbia Sports um, Business Program, which was so cool. We got to take mm-hmm. a couple classes. Um, and I just got a random email and not a lot of people saw it, but I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to do in the off season. I'm just going to apply. Mm-hmm. I applied thinking that it was going to be remote and I could stay in DC. I didn't really <laughs> know it. It was in New York mm-hmm. and they loved my application. It was like, you made it to the interview process. I interviewed like 30 minutes and that was it. And then they're like, okay, when are you flying? <laughs> to New York and I go wait I thought it was in DC <laughs> um so it kind of happened by accident but also it's just the, it was the Budweiser's partnership with the league and RPA and um mm-hmm. and it was the first year doing it so hopefully um it'll just continue to grow after that have you had have you had other players uh that weren't participating uh, have you had them ask about how it was and show interest in trying it next year Oh yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone was very interested. I came back with the coolest Budweiser swag, some, mm-hmm. some other brands, uh, Stella, and they're like, that is such a cool opportunity. And yeah, I think a lot of players will, will want to do it. My only advice is I was very, very serious with training. So maybe mm-hmm. you would want to do it if you were about to retire or if that's what something, um, because I was, it was really hard to manage both the work and training to get fit and ready for the season. Let's, um, I guess we'll move on to what, what so far consists of, uh, the season. Um, you know, the, the challenge cup, you mentioned you got five games in, um, I know that wasn't, you wanted to have seven, uh, rather than five. Um, when you, you've had some time now away from it, uh, when you look back on the challenge cup as a whole, um, what do you think of it as an individual? What do you think of it from the perspective of the team as a whole? Um, and just your overall experience with it. Yeah. I mean, I have to commend the league for how well they set it up. Um, there's obviously, mm-hmm. there's obviously challenges with like food and different types of things, but we were able to get out of there Corona free, uh, all the testing protocols and we were all very obedient I guess because we all were very strict and we we just wanted to play some games like no one wanted Mm -hmm. to get sick so I really I really think that went well um especially for the first sport back first tournament back um we all didn't really know what to expect so the experience was pretty incredible uh the facilities were amazing at Zion Bank or yeah academy something like that um mm-hmm. they, they were incredible with the mountains in the background the whole tournament setup itself was probably the best that they could have done mm-hmm. um giving us five subs that playing 90 minutes at altitude five games in like i don't know how many days 20 days was pretty insane my body was definitely breaking down at the end but um but it was it was an awesome experience the quarantine life was, was hard at times, but we all played games all the time in the hotel. Uh, we got to go on walks, which was nice. Um, but I don't think we could have been there any longer than six weeks. Otherwise, we would go a little crazy. Um, yeah. As far as... Oh, what? 
No, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I noticed after the final that um, the Houston and Chicago players were uh, having like a, a party together uh, after the, after the dash maybe got their celebration, uh, their first wave out of, out of their system. Um, and I was like, you know, it kind of makes sense because who else on earth is going to understand uh, what these teams have gone through other than another team. So it kind of, I was like, yeah, I, I get that people are like, I can't believe we got through it. Uh, and um, you know, like you said, the six weeks, it's, it's a lot to ask, I think of anybody. Yeah. And before that, like our sports science guy had to change everything to get us try to get us fit before that our coaches, their entire season plans were, um, basically obsolete because mm-hmm. it kept changing we yeah we weren't we weren't sure what to expect so the amount of work we put in before utah um whether that was small group trainings training on our own all the communication that needed we had and then finally getting to utah yeah it was just it was so <laughs> it was so hard mentally and physically so obviously getting knocked out in the first round was a bummer because i'm very mm-hmm. proud of how our team played and how everyone worked for each other before and during Utah with our staff. And yeah, it, it was pretty emotional to be honest. And so when we mm-hmm. got knocked out, we actually team party and it was, it was like kind of celebrating getting through everything that we did get through. Um, even though we did lose. So yeah, it was tough. It was tough, but, but when you play games, there's nothing like it and mm-hmm. it's totally worth it what all the work that we put in. Um, when you, you, you mentioned the general aspects of life in the, the bubble, um, is there anything that, that you feel like hasn't gotten maybe enough discussion um, since the tournament ended the, or even during the tournament um, that maybe went just a little undercovered? Um, I think people don't realize like how it was. Okay. I, I won't say the term prison <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's not like a prison. I would say that it was difficult. We, all we really could do was stay at the hotel and then we had to drive in our vans to and from the fields for practice and then just go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had, we had some food issues with the cafeteria and dinner. It was the same catering company for a lot of people. And I think they had some issues um, feeding us all, mm. <laughs> all healthy food. And mm. uh, so there's a lot of people ordering in food and everything. So when, when we ordered anything, there's so many packages that came to the hotel because we mm. didn't know what else to do. So we ordered food and probably clothes. And, um, and then people would just have to leave it on the table and we couldn't interact with anyone. So we, we didn't interact with anyone but each other for six weeks. And I think people don't realize that that's pretty difficult, um, mm. especially because you're with each other during training, games, out of training. Um, we had all these meetings that night, like three days before a game, two days before a game, and then also the day before a game probably because we didn't get any time together before that to go over our style of play. It was just very condensed. And we had 12 new members of our team. So Mm -hmm. if we didn't know them before, we definitely know them now. (laughs) And so it was just, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was tough and it was busy. And, um, 
we had people working all around the clock. The people at the hotels were amazing. Um, yeah, I would I would say that I guess people probably don't realize everything that we kind of had to go through to make this happen. Uh, I, I do have, I have another, I, I've kind of crowdsourced uh, for just to make sure I didn't think or didn't forget any good questions. Um, and one that came back to me multiple times was uh, how was the coffee at the coffee truck? <laughs> it was, it was good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't amazing. It, the espresso, the beans felt a little burnt every time, or it was a bit too milky. However, mm-hmm. it was our, it was our like saving grace because mm-hmm. we didn't really look forward to anything but the coffee truck and um, <laughs> the the amount of community support we had at that coffee truck just mm-hmm. meant the world to us. Like free coffee is one thing, but. You have the NWSL supporters group on Facebook, which I'm a member of. I'm I'm a bit of a troll in the supporters group, which is amazing. Yeah. I see what they got all the time. This guy mm-hmm. raised about seven to eight thousand dollars just to provide us for free coffee, and that was incredible. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then you have all these like companies, but yeah, we definitely look forward to that after practice. Uh, we like Starbucks wasn't even really opener. There's no c- couriers carriers available, so mm-hmm. we that was our that was our only chance to get good coffee. Well, I, I mean, I did see the um the the article in the Equalizer where um, uh, Tori revealed that she brought her own coffee maker. Um, were oh, were you, as a, as a team was that an advantage? Uh, could you guys line up and and get coffee from her? So actually, our club, the only thing we asked for from our club was for them to buy us an espresso machine when we got there. Mm-hmm. They bought us an espresso machine, and we left it in our lobby and shipped us so many Nespresso cups that yeah. that was. So Tori, Tori didn't share. I'm not going to rat her out. She didn't share much. Mm-hmm. She shared pictures of her beautiful copies, and no one else really got one. <laughs> but we had. But we had the Nespresso machine, and mm. I'm sure that's an advantage. Um, we should have thought of more things like that to give us an advantage. Um, Portland, Portland yeah. brought their own. <laughs> Portland, it was it was interesting being with all the teams um, in mm. one hotel. Chicago, Port. We had Chicago, Portland, and North Carolina. In Portland, mm. like reserved best room, they had basketball hoops in their um, lobby room and different games and then Lindsay Horan actually brought a tech table which you can play like basically soccer tennis on a ping pong table mm-hmm. so we watched them do that a couple of times and then there's obviously cornhole and ping pong and um but it was interesting to see how the other teams would interact and what they would do on their free time uh who is who is the with all the the games off to the side, the the stuff that you just mentioned, who who was running the tables? Uh, who was who was uh, getting bragging rights within the locker room? <laughs> um, the ping pong. It, it was actually one of our coaches, Tom Torres and Richie yeah. Burke. Our coaches were so good; they oh, yeah? uh, they crushed us at each. <laughs> each they, um, 
Yeah, I think we played Jenga a couple of times. That was just all luck. It was life-size Jenga. Um, mm-hmm. Cornhole. Cor- Tori Huster is actually one of the best people I've ever seen play cornhole. She would yeah. make the – she would, like, swish it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure um, – I, I, I imagine in my interactions with Tori, I feel like she probably didn't uh, – brag too much whereas i feel like the coaches probably let you guys have it uh at at ping pong they they were probably very happy to tell you about what the score of the last game was oh yeah <laughs> honestly yeah i have no shame giving us crap um mm-hmm. like they didn't want to with me and i'm actually pretty average like i i can keep up but they're like mm-hmm. um does anyone else want to play <laughs> <laughs> i'm the best player on our team is Ashley has she can keep she can hold her own but the mm-hmm. rest of us are pretty average these these guys I could I swear to you they could go pro Richie Burke is like <laughs> one of the best ping pong players I've ever seen that's a I I would never have guessed I I, I didn't even it didn't cross my mind that he was going to be a candidate for this um so that gonna have to ask him about it how did how did he uh, get so good about uh good at ping pong um but I guess this is kind of an, uh, I'm big on my abrupt uh, shifts to different topics. Um, you're as a center back, your role, it, there's kind of a way of thinking that people have about center backs that, you know, some people think of it very, with a very old school mindset where it's about, you know, being big, winning headers and, and playing it safe. And now we see around the league, there's more of an evolution towards um, players get a lot of attention that can, play passes over long distance. So you see um, Abby Dahlkemper with the national team and with North Carolina drawing a lot of praise with the spirit. Obviously, um, Sam, part of her job is to play those long passes and stretch teams out. Um, You got some notoriety, it seemed like, um, because of just the sheer number of passes that you're sort of charged with playing uh, in the the spirit system. Um, How do you what are your thoughts on that? That the fact that the game has changed enough where someone whose job can be like yours, where you're playing, I I think you had more pass attempts than anyone in the tournament, even with only five games played. Yeah. I had the most pass completions by about a hundred. Yeah. That's interesting. I love, I love everyone's, style of play and I love that everyone's very different um our main mantra tactically is to play to be able to play out of the back and um the long balls are great and Sam Sam's amazing at them but you want to be able to vary your type of um play building out of the back and we have some of the best midfielders in the world at Washington Spirit so as long as I can keep fighting with midfielders and they feel comfortable playing it back if they don't like what they see um, up front, then we can keep possession and try and, and go again. And I think our coaches really value um, that I'm really comfortable passing the ball and I'm I'm always going to want to get it. And I don't think we'll have a player on the field that doesn't want to get the ball. So um, the more I get it, the more comfortable people are with passing me the ball. And so I think that was kind of, kind of an evolution with the Challenge Cup is that like I'm I'm not going to play just a 50-50 ball over the back. I'm going to look mm. to complete it and hopefully start our build up from the back and um it goes along 
so Sam and I usually have the most passes and mm. we do want to start possessing it higher up the field but our one of our tactical mantras is 600 passes a game and when we can start the tempo from the back where it's just one and two touches um that's going to be that's going to make us successful with the type of players we have and I learned all of that overseas I played in South Korea and they always know where to be on the field and it's they never beat people 1v1 or these long or being fast or these long balls it's being super smart and just playing through people. And that's kind of our style of play at the Washington Spirit. Um, yeah. And, and he's Richie's from Liverpool. So he's, he, uh, he loves, he loves kind of taking after them and mm. Van Dyke like they are, is able to play these long balls, but you see him all the time, just sharing the football all the time with mm. his midfielders. And um, that's, that's one of the reasons why I love being center back. Everyone's like, well, you never do much back there. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> they might look like simple, pieces, but um, if I touch the ball the most in a the game, then, then I think I'm winning. Cause I love, I love being on the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think being a midfield and a forward, obviously I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty technical and um, I'm only going to get better with my decision-making and varying my type of passes, whether that is a long ball and short ball. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it is important and a key to our team to have different types of center backs in the back, and I love playing with Sam. Uh, I, I'm interested. You bring up um, the fact that you played in Korea, and I, I'm interested in um, – the path that, that you've taken to, to get to this point. Um, because there's, there's kind of, there are some players in the league who they get drafted. They, they're at a big school, which you were at with UNC. Um, they get drafted, they lock in a starting spot right away. And that's, that's kind of the developmental journey that I think a lot of fans and observers have in mind. Um, but your path, uh, and I, I think I've got it in my head at this point is drafted by Seattle playing in Cyprus and then Australia and then Korea and then Australia again. And then, then here, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that was, that was very good. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, ne- I never fail on research. It's, it's usually the other things that trip me up. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm interested in that, that journey because it's not, not that it's not completely uncommon. There are pl- plenty of players around the league that have played in Europe or in Australia, there's a lot of the, the loans to the, um, to, to Australia as well. Um, but I'm curious about the, your experience with that going from, you know, you were drafted, I think, um, in speaking with the folks in Seattle, they said that the idea was that you were going to play as a forward there. Um, and then seeing all these different cultures, all these different leagues, um, getting you to this point, what has that been like where you're now recognized as one of the, the top center backs in the league? Yeah, it's been, it's been one heck of a journey. That's for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I got drafted to Seattle and our draft sometimes is unfair. Like sometimes you don't want to be drafted. So you kind of choose the team that you have the best chance to. And I think the average age of Seattle is like 30 and Kim Little, just two of the best players I've ever played with. And I felt so young and I was such a rookie. I wasn't confident. I didn't have experience. 
UNC is one of the best programs in the country for college, but it it didn't prepare me totally for professional soccer. I had to go overseas um, mm-hmm. to get that experience in decision making and playing so fast. Um, combining all of it together, obviously, it made me the player I am today. I wouldn't I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for UNC and the grit and um, the different things it teaches you by playing super quick because there's pressure all the time. Mm-hmm. But but my journey over, yeah, getting my first professional contract with Seattle before I went to Cyprus was actually my motivation because I was like, okay, I can make it with these players. I'm not going to get playing time. But what can I do to come back and be a better version of myself and more basically refined version of myself. And I had to work on my pass passing accuracy, which was one of my biggest weaknesses. And now I would mm-hmm. say it's one of my biggest. And um, so Cyprus was awesome because it was champions league. It was on a big stage. All my nerves kind of got out of that. And I was able to play with freedom because I didn't know anyone over there. And then mm-hmm. Australia was a Thing. I was an eight. I was a ten. I was able to do me, play, play the way I want to play, and kind of have fun with it. And it's a beautiful country. So I was like, okay, now I'm getting somewhere. And I was rated one of the top midfielders when I was there. And then mm-hmm. when I went to South Korea, that's what totally changed, kind of my positioning on everything and my tactical brain. I thought I was already tactical before. I blame it on basketball because I was a point guard and I thought I could Mm -hmm. see the game I started watching a lot more soccer when I was in South Korea and I watched all of our players and their movements and we played 5v2 every single morning um and their 5v2 is insane we play 5v2 here and Mm -hmm. I think our goal is 10 passes Mm -hmm. and you get a point our goal in South Korea is like 30 passes and they can do that easily like just Mm -hmm. they're so smart and pace on the ball and um it was like a soccer camp there we practiced for three hours and after 5 2 in the morning and we mm-hmm. I played in I played in like 30 professional games um and you don't you can't get that by being just a rookie on the bench getting some minutes here and there like mm-hmm. getting real game experience overseas with different style of plays is just it's it's actually needed for a lot of players you see some players make it in the league right off the back but more often than not these players should go overseas to develop a lot more than than they would here uh what was your day i i think uh, of all these stops i think if I'm not correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it looks like Korea was the longest um, time you spent in in with one team. Um, what was that like? That you know, having to spend not just a, a few months of the season and then you're back at uh, back in the states. Um, what was it like actually being in Korea full time? It was it was amazing at the mm. start, anyways. Um, I totally immersed myself in their culture. I started learning Korean. I became pretty basic, basic conversational. And um, just, yeah, I started like living their way of life. And I didn't realize that I kind of lost myself in the process. Because when I came back, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I forget how to live this American life. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, it was an awesome, I learned a lot about myself. I traveled all around Southeast Asia, so not just soccer, but um, I saw, I grew as a person and I, I, I think those are the most important one and a half years of my life because it, it just taught me a lot. And it was, it was so fun for the time being. I was young. I wasn't sacrificing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, people said, people have said I was brave to do that, but I thought it, it was more, <laughs> it was easier to leave and just do something for the heck of it rather than all this pressure in America. And mm-hmm. this was kind of their, I lost my mom to cancer and I didn't really have a home base in America. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to just do what I love, learn a lot in these other countries while I'm young for three years and see what happens after that. And I, I think it's been incredible. What, uh, when, when you're playing in a country uh, like Korea, where, you came in with, I am assuming, very little uh, Korean language skill. Um, when you got there, <laughs> how do you get acclimated um, to to something like that? Where um, I, I don't I don't know the the Korean league that well, but it doesn't seem like there are a ton of international players there. No, yeah, you're only allowed two two from. Yeah, you're only allowed two internationals, but three if they're from Asia. And I have to, um, I had a roommate, Jen Skogerbo. She's American, but her mm. mom was actually Korean. So she would come okay. and stay with her family there and kind of be our translator. Um, it's actually very hard to get acclimated. I haven't been there in a while, so I forget how hard it was. We mm. would do, we, <laughs> no one knew English. It's like, you either kind of study English or you play soccer. And so no one knows it. Um, Mm -hmm. The coaches would just, it's all about body language. Um, And you would be so surprised of how else you could communicate rather than language. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we met my, my friend and I went to an international church there, which obviously had all English speakers and we met some translators and, and we met this really awesome person that came to all of our games and trainings and stuff and would translate everything for us mm-hmm. until we got better at Korean. So, yeah, you just <laughs> – you don't really get acclimated. You just live their life until it's, like, ingrained in you. And you meet all these people. I have crazy stories. I remember getting on a bus. I, I – learned how to read Korean the first week I was there because I needed to because we couldn't it was all public transportation there we didn't have a car and Mm -hmm. I had to read where I was going on the map and so I did that first but the first or the second day I was there I took 13-1 instead of 13 on the bus I went an hour and a half (laughs) away from my home I was crying like it it was midnight and people didn't know where I was and no one spoke English on the bus. And somehow, somehow someone understood me and was like, get off here and this bus stop and take this bus. I got home at like three in the morning, but I, I thought I was gone forever. Mm. <laughs> um, there, there's so many stories like that where yeah. it's just like, man, I don't know how I made it. <laughs> um, what a, 
I, I I love Korean food, but I don't. I'm kind of far away from where all the good Korean food in the area is. Um, is there anything that that you wish you could get access to around here that is maybe hard to come by? Um, the bimbap. It's mm-hmm. it's my favorite, most simple dish ever. It's just like in a hot dish with mm-hmm. rice, veg, and bulgogi meat and egg on top. They like. They always like make this stir fry with hot rice and they always crack an egg and mix it in and it's so good. Mm. Um, they have these really awesome soybean paste and red hot soybean paste that you mix with everything. I mean, Korean mm. barbecue. I, have you been to a yeah. Korean barbecue place? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's your typical. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, but also grilled Sorry, I have so no, much to talk about. No, that's okay. Uh, grilled eel there is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things. You And everywhere in Korea, you sit around a hot plate in the middle and you cook it in front of your face. So it's all fresh, mm-hmm. um, which I miss. It's kind of like a full dinner. You don't just wait for your food to come out. You all cook together, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this grilled eel, it was called Changjae. And my my friend Jen and I loved it. It was like a special treat for us every time we went out. And he dipped it in this like brown sugar sauce, and it's so good. <laughs> I've I, yeah I've 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 gotten enough. I I haven't had that. That sounds awesome because I, I I like to get eel when I get sushi. Um, so I'm I'm gonna have to try and get that now at some point. I, the next time I get a chance. Um, yeah, I've got I've got my um my jar of gochujang in the fridge. I was using it yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm big on that, but I, I feel like there's like, I've got like the tip of the iceberg and I feel like you've gotten to see the whole iceberg. And so I'm very, I'm kind of jealous now I'm, I'm stuck in the, the suburbs and I've got no access to any of this stuff. It sounds awesome. Do you like kimchi? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, my dad told me there was a Korean family in his neighborhood and his, he had kimchi and theirs was i guess particularly spicy and he was blown away by it and he was like that's the spiciest food on earth so i grew up with this idea that it was this uh um just this incredibly spicy food that was uh just tough to take and it turns out he just doesn't have much of a spice tolerance Uh, i just didn't find that out until i was in my 20s that's a bummer yeah um but you know i I actually ate a a live octopus too when i was in korea and it's suctioned onto my throat and <laughs> okay you're, you're just taught um to scoop a huge thing of rice so you can mm-hmm. just shove it down your throat. <laughs> uh that's uh that sounds like an adventure in and of itself uh i don't i don't know how prepared i'd be for that um but i i guess i understand you know the octopus uh, is maybe objecting a little bit about being eaten um yeah trying trying to escape um I, I guess the the final question I really have is to bring it back to, to right now. Um, you're back in the area. Um, training is about to start. We're recording this on the 14th. So um, it's it's Monday when training kicks back up. Um, what are you expecting out of what's left with the year? I, I know the, the league hasn't scheduled games yet, so it's sort of a completely up in the air. But what are, what are you looking for with what we've got left in the year? To be honest, I don't know. 
um, we, we have a rough schedule of what, what games we're going to have and we're only going to be training. We're supposed to be quarantining ourselves after everyone gets back, I think for a couple mm-hmm. of days. So we're only going to be training for a week and a half, two weeks before we start playing games probably. And then there might be another tournament and, um, who knows what's gonna happen? <laughs> I have I have no idea. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to play some games and to see everyone again. Um, but it just seems weird after the Challenge Cup, um, you know. And who knows what's gonna happen with COVID testing and mm-hmm. and flying and driving and. But I think during these times, it's it's important to stay flexible and kind of be grateful that we're still getting paid as soccer players to do what we love. And we're just going to take one day at a, at a time. That, that seems like the, that seems like the best advice there is this year for, for everybody um, is uh, we're all getting through it. Just, uh, just barely. Um, so try not, yeah. try to stay flexible. Um, well, Paige, uh, thank you very much. This has been really great. Um, if you want to tell our listeners where to find you online, uh, this is this is the best time to do it. Yeah, my Instagram's p nielsen twenty four, um, and my Twitter is page nielsen. Um, yeah, that's all. So cool. look me up. Well, thanks a lot, Paige. And you can find us on Twitter at plexweather. I think I mentioned it at the beginning of the show as well, but why not say it twice? Uh, you can find us via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, You can go to our website, plexweather.pinecast.co. Pinecast as in like a pine tree. Um, Play the, the, you can also just play the episodes on Twitter with our tweet, um, either in your browser or on your phone or however you use Twitter. I know there's a bunch of ways to do it. If you find the tweet with the episode, you just click on it it'll play uh, the play symbol will appear and you can do it that way as well if you are not tech savvy that is the way you should probably do it if you are tech savvy you've already figured this out you don't need me to tell you what to do and on that note i'm going to stop talking this has been flex weather thanks so much for listening